Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. There seems to be something at the bottom of your stocking you've forgotten about. Is it that bag of weird-tasting golden coins that you only ever see this time of year? Is that Manelian Falcon that you ask for every year and really want but never get because you're 25 and your parents think you're joking? Is that board game that you dare not open as your auntie's too competitive and it'll only end in an argument that may not be resolved until next Christmas? No, if you look a little closer, it's a festive three points and a bundle of analysis in the form of your last Fulhamish podcast of the year. Now, we've got a hell of a pod to wrap up what's been a, shall we say, fairly turbulent year for our boys. We're going to dissect the win over Stoke, take a look at some listener cues, preview Reading on New Year's Day and then have a rambly chat about 2019 in general. And I'm joined by the man who has set up a dual residency over the festive period at either Craven Cottage or Ali Pally, Mr Don Betts. <laughs> hello, hello. And a man who is kind enough to let us discuss at length his club, Mr <laughs> Farrell Mug. Good evening. How are you doing, boys? You've had a nice, nice week? Yeah, yeah. I've, right. I've, I think your intro is, is that uh, what happened at Christmas? Did you did you not get your Millennium Falcon? I did not, no, not this year. And every year I ask for the same thing and, you know, if the same thing occurs next year, we may have to set up some kind of Fulhamish crowdfund in order yeah. for me to get it. But alas, no Millennium Falcon for me this year. But I'll have to make do with the film just in the... Star Wars fans, no? Oh, absolutely. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. I'm glad I'm not alone. Anyway, let's kick things off uh, with some three-word reviews. Mr. Farrell Monk, would you like to do the honours? Yeah, um, it was really nice to actually cycle through the three-word reviews um, after the win because I'm kind of, you know, it's getting a bit sort of like uh, monotonous going through like well, after a loss and just cycling through we are shit or new manager, please. Um, so it was really nice to like go through some really positive ones at the moment. Uh, so uh, David Gatz, um, where's Reem's beard? which, you know, just didn't seem to uh, harm his strengths, uh, Tim Ream. Flat uh, Samson. Luca, Luca Lely's The Jamaican Messi. Um, Tom Greatrex's Sunsets on 2019. But the far away, runaway winner with probably the most likes that any three-word review has ever had is Fuller Matto's Bobby Decade Over Reed. Fantastic. Very good. I'll let you see didn't include mine in that one. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll let that one slide. But, uh, but yeah, no, some fantastic three-word reviews. And yeah, decade over. Another, uh, a decade over for Fulham. Lots of talking points. Um, but yeah, let's just focus on the game uh, to begin with. And it was a it was a scrappy ground-out uh, victory, wasn't it? And I, I read a tweet saying uh, that Fulham have managed to make wins ugly and unenjoyable. And in many aspects, the game felt a little bit like that. Uh, Dom, how for you would you summarise that overall performance? And let's face it, vital three points, the way that other results went uh, on that day. Well, performance, I'll say, we just did enough. And mm. I think that's that's all it was. After the top of turvy form we've had over the last month or six weeks or so, it was just about getting the three points. It wasn't about putting in this performance that was a statement to the rest of the league or anything like that. This game was just about was getting back on winning track after, you know, that, the chaos that was looting away. You know, somehow us getting a point out of the game after, I think it was basically six defensive mistakes for all those goals in the looting game. But it was nice to get a clean sheet get just a one goal victory and just get an ugly win because that's what we've needed over the last month which we haven't been able to get 
Mm. And do do you think, given the caliber of the opposition, Faz, uh, you know, Stoke they're struggling there, but twenty twenty third or twenty fourth in the league or twenty second, twenty first, I twenty twenty first. Thank you very much. Uh, do you feel like we should be um, taking these opportunities to really stamp authority in the league and you know putting a few past them, or do you think that the result was justified given the performance by Stoke and the fa- other factors that were in play? Yeah, I think it's a mixture of all those things. Um, you know, no disrespect to Stoke, I actually said uh, in the preview that we shouldn't underestimate Stoke. They are obviously in such a you know bad. Uh, they have a such a horrible start to the season under the former Luton manager Nathan Jones, um, and Michael Michael O'Neill has come in and tried to steady the ship. And they've got a very good squad there. You know, you saw the starting eleven um, that they put out. They've still got a, a wealth of, of talent in there. Jack mm. Butland in goal and Joe Allen. Um, you know, he was um, obviously he died for our sins. Joe Allen. He's now <laughs> back from Christmas. And um, uh, James McLean as well, who I thought he actually had a pretty good game yesterday. So uh, and Tom Mintz as well. Um, they're they're all really, you know, they've applied their trade in the Premier League. They're really good, solid Championship players. You know, they a couple of them I'd be delighted to have in the Fulham squad. So, um, and I think that considering the especially the first half performance I don't think the Fulham team underestimated them they're really bang on form the, the team you know it's probably the most uh, confident I've seen a lot of those players and move it around very very swiftly and efficiently and really expose the exposed uh, Stoke's uh, defensive problems uh, Stoke will definitely be fine by the end of the season if yesterday's showing as, as anything to go by they obviously uh, picked up a massive win the week uh, the few days previous uh, when they got those two goals in injury time to make it uh, to win 3-2 um, so yeah they'll be absolutely fine there are definitely worse teams that we've played in this league um and yeah so obviously Fulham got the result they ground it out it wasn't the prettiest as you say it was you know more of the more ugly wins and I would you know you've got to say it wasn't as enjoyable but you know as soon as that final whistle blew I was absolutely elated yeah it was um, a fantastic way to uh, cap off of each week because you're right we haven't seen uh, Fulham grind out results like this all too often uh, so and also do you think that it's maybe a conflict of styles which makes Stoke quite a tough opposition for us because when you look back at when we played them at Bet365 we had an awful result there do you think that it's partly because we struggle at dealing with that kind of route one approach when it comes to the attack well I would say we have certainly in the past Mm. Um, but what this season has shown you, and I don't know if, whether it's down to Scott Parker's tactical play or what he's done coaching-wise, but we seem to be, uh, we are better at grinding yeah. out those results. We've had quite a lot of games this year where we've literally won by the odd goal, um, whereas maybe in seasons gone by, we definitely you know, wouldn't be in that case. We would have conceded quite a few late goals. There's only one that really springs to my mind where we let the let a late goal in, and that was Sheffield Wednesday uh, away earlier on in the season. But apart from that, we've actually won a lot of games by one goal where we've gone, we've gotten nasty, we've gotten ugly, we've uh, just, you know, been able to stifle those, those uh, attacks. And, you know, Stoke obviously are known for their long ball play. Um, and, you know, they, they've got Lee Gregory up front, who is an archetypal sort of bully, bully kind of player. Not a bad player, but obviously he he, he knows his strength. And uh, the other thing that obviously Michael O'Neill didn't really bank on was the fact that um, they'd used all their three subs with 10 minutes ago and then Ryan Shawcross picked up an injury. Mm-hmm. So he had to play up front as well. And with, with that in mind, they literally only could play long ball after that. Thankfully, he didn't go in. And, you know, there was quite a lot of robust defending. I was a little bit worried to start off with because Mawson and Ream weren't winning, winning a lot of uh, battles in the air to start off with. But as the game wore on, Ream was absolutely outstanding in the uh, in the final five minutes. Just literally just kept on winning headers in abs- at absolutely vital times. 
No, very true. And let's touch upon a few of those defence individual performances. I thought Adoy when he came on was um, sensational. And also Cyrus Christie. Um, we've seen a lot of uh, correspondence and, and tweets praising his all-round, very calm, measured and um, accomplished performance. We've we, you know, come back much stronger uh, since your absence, Cyrus. Keep it up. That was from uh, Scott Tanfield. Fantastic game, my man. What a great temperament you have. And it's fantastic to see that he's, um, you know, he's taken his opportunity to get back in the squad and and what did you think of his overall performance, Dom? Well, yeah, I've always been one to criticise Ars Christian. <laughs> That's and, why I asked and, you. And everyone knows that. But I think if you're looking over the last few weeks, he's been he's been our best defender. Mm. I mean, that's not that hard. But I mean, when, when you've got Joe Bryan just allowing anyone down his left-hand side and then Morton and Ream giving the ball away every five seconds. But he, he has been our best defender over the last four games. And right back was always a position we looked into the start of the season. Not worried as such, but fairly thin well, in both fullback areas really but we, did, we, looked, we didn't know who would be the right back whether mm. it be Sessegnon whether it be Adoy whether it be Christie and you know as much as I, I don't think Adoy did anything wrong when he played right back but Christie has come in and made a position his own and he sort of he just looks a, more, a lot more defensively solid than the likes of Joe Bryan on the other hand side and I thought especially against Stoke that Knockhart and Christie had a really good partnership down that right hand side obviously mm. Anthony Knockhart ended up winning uh, man in the match on, on the Fulham website and I think yeah Cyrus Christie has just brought a sense of calmness to that back line especially well, on the right hand side anyway so I think yeah the, you, you've got to praise the, in, the inclusion and return to side of Cyrus Christie and as, as long as he continues because we know he's a good uh, mm. fullback for this level which is you know who's getting caught out in the Premier League and I think it maybe was just a confidence issue and now he's got back into the run of form he seems to be enjoying his football seems to be enjoying being in the club so long may it continue yeah and just to add to that and I think you you know you really need to highlight that confidence thing there because we as you quite rightly say we knew how good he what he could be but you know his confidence was absolutely shot from from last season and the beginning of this season but ever since he got that first really good performance under his belt you can see how much better he's playing and I think it would be a bit of a travesty not to actually mention how good he was attacking wise. You know, he put in two or three really good crosses. There was one where he even cut back inside and thumped one in with his left foot, which Mitrovic got uh, the solid header on, which probably should have scored. Yeah. I think he's, you know, against Luton, he was actually probably our most potent attacking outlet apart from Bobby <laughs> Reid. Uh, so, you know, full of praise for Cyrus Christie, especially yesterday. Fantastic. We were talking about that link up play that he had uh, with, with Knockout, you know. Anthony Knockout start back in the squad and essentially was responsible ultimately for Bobby Decadovery's goal I, I thought he played exceptionally well and showed strength and character of taking his opportunity having that, that long spell on the sidelines what did you think of his performance Faz? Yeah absolutely um, you know uh, the passion merchant himself was certainly <laughs> showing uh, quite a lot of that uh, yesterday you know I, I haven't got anything to like track yards or anything like that but I'm sure he's he got 10 times the amount of running um, than any other player on the Fulham pitch yesterday and uh, there was even times where it was, you know, um, they'd win. Uh, we had a corner and then it was headed out and he was the he would take the corner and then be the first person. But, you know, back in play behind the line already. And even though he was the one that was furthest forward. So, you know, not just that, but obviously his attacking play. The one thing that I just find really weird about the season, no, no winger comes off the bench for us and has a good game apart from Cabano. Everyone else that comes on, he seems to have like the worst game ever. Cavalero, when he came on, was pants, by the way. <laughs> you know, there was a game there was a game against Brentford where, you know, we brought on three wingers and every single one of them were awful when they came on. I don't I can't really remember a time where a winger came on for us and had a good game. The curse they, of the wings. Yeah, they only sort of 
um, seem to have a good game when they when they're starting. So from now on, only subs that come on, no wingers, no wingers, no I mean, wingers on the you, bench. Can you think of any to, to counter Faz's argument, Dom? Can you think of any examples? Well, of I when? think your biggest problem is we don't really have an array of options in that area. You've got Cav, you've got Cabano, you've got Knockart. You can maybe classify Reed or Kamara, but I think the point is that. If you're looking at the players we've got, if you're going to bring on Knockart or Caviero, it's they're not really impact players, and I think mm. that's the biggest problem. They're players who sort of grow into a game, as opposed to making imp- an imp- impact straight away when they come on the pitch, and that's why I think they have been looked quite poor off the bench. And you know, Knockart was deservedly dropped. He was playing very poorly, and he's taken his chance here. Does it mean he's going to start against Reading? Who knows? Because you know, you want to see Bobby Reed in the side. You want to, and you, you know, it's between him and Caviero. And I think the only thing Caviero has been bad. I don't think he's been at his best, which we know we've seen only in glimpses so far. Same with same with Knockout, really. But you know, he provided the assist against Luton, and obviously he, he played really well against um, a Stoke. So I think both of them have got points to prove, and that's probably a good thing because you know they could have come into the side and be blitzed it and then sort of be sort of you know in autopilot mode but they're not they've got a point to prove they want to get us into the top two and I think that's only a good thing but yeah hopefully from what we saw in knockout yesterday is just a sign of things to come really good stuff and moving on from the wings I want to focus quickly on the centre of the park now we've seen quite uh, a lot of consistency from Scott Parker he's going for Reed. Um, Onoma and uh, Kearney as his favoured three in the middle. Steph Joe's been absent for the last uh, four or so games now. Do we do we think that that's his preferred that we're going to see moving forward if all of those guys are available? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's quite nice that we're getting a little bit of consistency. Obviously, the the worry is that we had three players go off injured yesterday, which is you know just our luck. You know, suddenly we get all our injuries back and then one game, all of them go. Um, so hopefully, it's not going to have long lasting impression. I thought. Onomar in the middle of the park I, I can't see how someone like Steffi Johansson is going to get ahead of him if Josh Onomar continues to play as well as he did yes, well for those 40 odd minutes that he was on the pitch It was a shame that he uh, got taken off really yeah. I thought by all accounts it was his best performance in the Fulham shirt yeah. that we've seen so far Yeah You can see as soon as he went off that how much it negatively affected our performance really We lost a bit of drive We lost a bit of quality on the ball um, He dominated Joe Allen in that centre of the field and you can see how much better Joe Allen was playing in the second half like but you know Onomar was was able to outmuscle him outpace him out you know tr- uh, get dribbles past him and he was absolutely quality and I, I'm I'm so I'm so just like distraught after the fact we've waited so long to see the real Josh Onomar and finally it's here and he had to be taken off hopefully you know we don't actually know for sure whether it's um you know, some some people said it was a hamstring injury. Uh, someone told me that Jamie Reed on the commentary said he was feeling a bit sick this morning, so he tried to play. Um, quite quite weirdly, at the end of the game, I saw Joe Bryan try, uh, heaving quite a few times on on my side of the pitch. So Very I don't observant uh, of you, Faz. <laughs> oh, take, looking out for all the players on the pitch. <laughs> they clearly, clearly caught the same meal as in cricket as having South Africa. Then, yeah, yeah, precisely. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yeah. So I, I think um, I think we've just about covered the game, and I mean we're gonna for the rest of the pod we're gonna look at a few of your questions. We're gonna briefly preview the Reading game we've got coming up, and I, I just thought it'd be nice to have a look over. I mean the decade thing's been done done to bits now at the end of the decade, so I just wanted to have a look over the last year maybe to uh, to wrap up the pod. We'll be right back after this. If you enjoy Fulhamish and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please consider giving us a positive rating and review. It really helps us to reach new Fulham fans across the world. If you don't use Apple but want to give us a review, head to the Fulhamish Facebook page and give us a rating there instead. Thank you. Right, welcome back to the last ever Fulhamish pod of 2019. And what is it's been for the pod as well? FSA Club Podcast of the Year? 
thought I'd add that in. But yeah, it's been a good good year for Fulham. Plug, 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 plug. Plug, plug. <laughs> it's been a good year for Fulham. A, a mixed year for Fulham. So we're just going to go for some listener questions that have currently been sent in from Instagram. Okay, so I'm going to start with this one for you, Dom. Dennis Adoy and Hector at the back. Thoughts? Um, I'm hoping from... I'm hoping Hector's good because Alfie Mawson I'm not a fan of. I think he's been very poor. Ever since he came back from his injury, I think going into that injury, it was around Christmas time, I think. It was maybe the Wolves game was when we got injured or maybe just before that, around Christmas time. And he, we were getting into the stride of things. I think we, we kept our first clean sheet in the nil-nil against Newcastle mm. the week before. And I thought we were finally getting somewhere defensively anyway under Claudio Ranieri. I mean, we didn't really get anywhere properly, any, anyone. I mean, but yeah, I think everything's come up. He's been quite poor. Like, I just don't see how he was on the verge of the England squad when he was playing for Swansea. Because what I've seen, he... Keane's quite quite not doesn't seem quick. He gives the ball away an awful lot. Whether that's the style of play we are playing, who knows? But I'd I'd like to see Hector come in and see what he can do. I'm not saying get rid of Morrison straight away, bring Hector in, and that's the end of it. But like, what? Why not? Because Morrison hasn't exactly been convincing, and you know Hector by some fans said we was the best centre back in the league last year for Sheffield Wednesday. So and then you know you look at Adoy. When Adoy's played right back, I think I've been very impressed with him. But there's no reason to drop Christie at the moment because mm. he's been our best defender. But I definitely would like to see um, Mark Hector come to the side and see what he can do because I don't think he can quite be worse than Alfie Morrison at the moment. Oh, that's a good point. And also, another thing that has been brought to my attention is that he seems to be a huge, huge character in the dressing room. And hopefully that will have a positive impact uh, throughout the throughout the squad. But I think everyone at Fulham is, is very much looking forward to seeing what he can do because I feel like he needs a bit of a shake-up at the moment. Cool, right, next question, Faz. Uh, if we achieve playoff final but fail, do we give Parker another chance to rebuild or do we change? Uh, I would absolutely still give Parker time to to continue um as I've said numerous times I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of just uh changing managers just for the sake of it and just hoping for the best uh I'm quite an advocate of trying to build uh well have Fulham build something for the future and have have like a manager and a squad that's going to be together for a long time um you know having players like Kenny and Mitrovic and having that consistency has a has a huge impact on the club and the huge impact on on um, well a lot of things and trying to sort of have affinity with the players on the pitch as well as the management and you know Scott Parker I don't think has done anything you know horribly wrong I think he you know he must love Fulham considering he decided to honour the entirety of his contract when he could have gone elsewhere um, and you know play with us in those two two dark years in the in the championship <laughs> if you can call them that he decided to stay on as coach he obviously got an offer to go for a first team coach at Spurs, sorry, youth team coach at Spurs. And then he obviously wants to come back to Fulham and get take the first team coach here and take on managerial duties. So, you know, he, he must love the club. And um, I really like Scott Parker. And if he manages to get us, get, get us into the playoffs in such a difficult league, then fair play to him. Let's give him another give him another year. You know, would you would you have done the same thing with Slavisa? Absolutely not. Um, so, yeah. Hang on to Parker. Let's try and keep him for as long as possible and try and build something with him. Fantastic. I, I mean, I, I feel like, by and large, I would I would have to agree. I think we've got a, a rough diamond with Scott Parker. And as you said, his attitude towards the club is um, is something that can't be understated. I mean, you look at how we went with Ranieri, who clearly didn't give a monkeys about the club. And then you got someone who genuinely cares and wants to work hard and wants to improve. I feel like you, you've got to give him a bit of time. Don, yeah. would you would you do agree? or? Um, Penzi's available for me. <laughs> like, if there's a better option available, I feel like you you would go for it. Like, I look at I look at West Brom from last season. 
there was not outcry, but there was very a lot of questions when they sacked Darren Moore. But then you look at them under Slavin Bilic this season. Mm. If someone of Slavin Bilic's calibre became available when we lost in the playoff final and then we had to rebuild again, I wouldn't be against the idea of, of moving on Scott Parker if there was that better option available. I'm not saying if he loses, we look else. But if, if an option does appear that is definitely an improvement on Scott Parker and I think is, is, a, is a good match for the club, then I wouldn't be against the idea of swapping out Scott Parker and bringing in a more experienced manager. But I said before the season started that if he gets us into the top six or play a final end up losing the season will be deemed as a failure but he won't lose his job I mm. think I think they're, they're two different things here I think the season can be, can be a, a lot of team seasons like nearly every team bar two is going to be seen in the scene or three teams is going to be seen as a failure so I think that yeah if if we lost in the playoff final and there wasn't a better option out there and he's still the best person to take us forward, then yeah, I'd give him another season. But if if another, if, an, if a seven minutes like option like West Brom have had has become available, I wouldn't be against the idea of bringing someone like that in. Well, it'd be just like we could just do he can do a Moisey and just hang on uh, for that that new better manager to get sacked again next season and take the, take on the job again. <laughs> very good, very good. Anyway, I just think it's the it's the turbulence that come which comes with changing managers that is is it can cause you know ripples that. And if it it was to happen, I think it needs to happen pretty much straight away Mm. or as soon as possible because you can't have that lingering on and then get a new manager at the beginning of July. Like it'd be a decision the club would need to make in May to Mm. decide is Scott Barkin a man or is he not the man? And also, you risk upsetting players like Kenny and Mitrovic, who obviously, well, they love the club and they want to stay, but they already knew that Scott Parker was going to be the manager full time next season. They obviously like him. So, you know, that I think that says quite a lot about Scott Parker and how he's well respected in the dressing room. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, moving on. Next question, boys. Dom, this one's for you. If you could have any championship midfielder in our team, who would it be and why? Oh, Matthias Pereira from West Brom. That's a very good shout. I think he's the best player in the league by a long way. I'd even take on loan someone like Grady Diangano, who West Brom kind of got from West Ham. I think he's a great player. But if, yeah, for me, it'd have to be West Brom's Matthias Pereira. I think mm. he's. I think he's just a cut above the rest of the league, even the likes of Tom Kearney. Good stuff. Who do you reckon, Fred? Um After seeing him the other week, and I knew how good he was, but after seeing him the other week in the flesh, Calvin Phillips for Leeds, um, I thought he's he's an exceptional footballer and. Um, he he was brilliant for them on the day, and um, we could do a hell of a lot worse if Leeds don't go up to try and get him. But they'll obviously ask for a lot of money for him. Yeah, um, I feel like I'd have to agree with that on Phillips. I thought he was one of the only Leeds players who actually put in a good showing for mm. themselves. Right. Anyway, moving on. I think this question here uh, leads us on nicely into the last feature that we're going to do, which is roundup of 2019. Even though um, this question is for the decade, so uh, what is the best slash worst Fulham kit of the decade? Do we reckon, boys? Of the decade, um, God. So, do you know? Do you know what best kit I really liked was the um, the black one with the golden white stri- uh, diagonal stripe. Oh, uh, that was um, that was the third kit. It's the third twelve kit, yeah. thirteen. I want to say because I, yeah. like, well, I feel like we won at the three nil at Swansea. We wore that kit. Yeah, we did. And the, the most undeserved away win I think I've ever oh, seen. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> I, yeah. I was at that one. That was uh, that was quite something. Like they absolutely battered us. I mean, it was literally like we took three chances, three goals. Um, uh, yeah, there was also the three all at Reading. I remember as yeah. well, uh, which was quite an entertaining one. Uh, but worst kit. Oh. The was the golden Harrod special edition. Was that before twenty ten? 
That was, was no, two- that was Kappa, wasn't it? That was, that was 2011. Oh, yeah, 2011, yeah, 2011. wasn't it? That was an awful kit. The one yeah. that we won 2 0 at Stoke with. Yeah. Where Baird became Bedinho. Well, also, I just didn't like the texture of the kit, especially for, you know, <laughs> your more portly, older <laughs> fans such as myself, because um, you'd have to sort of like stretch it over. They're not really made for, uh, for, uh, people, people of my shape. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's true. Even if it was a quadruple XL, it still managed to be somehow skin tight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that was an awful. Do you remember that kit that we had? That was um, it was the home equivalent of that season. So it was two thousand. I think it was two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, because it was the first year when Mark Hughes was in charge. Yeah, and uh, it just had that malfunction where if any, if the player sweat, it just went completely see through. Yeah, and like it used to cling to you like a like a Tesco's bag or something. Yeah. So um, yeah, my my favorite kit has got to be. I can't look past 2010. Uh, I think, obviously, admittedly, it might have because it's steep with nostalgia. Um, but I also like the kit that we had in the Prem last year. I thought that yeah. was, um, I thought that was lovely. Um, but worst kit for me is the the, the Harrods, um, the Harrods one. It was just the green shocking. one. So so shocking. Same colour as the grass, wasn't it? But um, Don, what do you reckon, mate? I wasn't hugely against that green one, just because it again it has that. Berdino Stoke yeah. in December, freezing cold, and then he waxing two absolute screamers. Uh, again, I just think in eleven twelve, just that home kit. I just I remember. I think that was the last home kit I bought, and as soon as it was just like this terrible fit, loose fitting, because mm. I was you know a skinny little twig, still am. <laughs> um, it was it, it was just terrible, and you know it just with you played it in like a five a five side kick back with your mates. As soon as you started sweating, it was just sticking to you like no one's business. Um, when it when it comes when it comes to best kit, again you can talk about obviously the nostalgia of you know two thousand and ten, but it, you know was that sort of ba- that, that just the basic black and white? I I don't I think I don't know when I'm when I'm thinking what what are my favourite strips are. None of them are from this decade, but if I'm I'm going to go 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 with this decade. I'm probably going to go. I really liked the away kit from when we were sponsored by Grover the Casino. I've, right. I've really, I've really liked that one. I, I don't know. I always seem to, I just seem to prefer black. Oh, the black one, yeah. Yeah, I just seem to prefer black. So that black one with a gold stripe, I seem to like. Any of, any of our kits mm. in black, I seem to enjoy. Maybe it's just because most of my clothes are black. Black is very <laughs> slimming as well. So I'm, <laughs> I'm in favour of that. Do you know what? Just another worst kit one was the, the home kit from the first season in the championship. The Marathon Bet one. Yeah. I, I, the, was that the, orange? Well, the the white it had like a white yeah it had like an orange trim, but then yeah. it had like white and then sort of like a off white strip. That kit strip. to me just screams that penalty win at Molyneux in the snow on a Tuesday oh, night. Oh yeah, when all the player when you couldn't see the team, yeah, because they were camouflaged in the snow. And then <laughs> when we saw, when Rodriguez scores the winning penalty, everyone's sort of running down, yeah, to, to the uh, to the goal to celebrate. Just singing for a lot of the time. Can you tell us if we scored a goal? Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff, good stuff. So um, I wanted to touch upon briefly the, uh, bef- the before we uh, look ahead to the to the game of Reading, just 2019 as a whole. Because when when you actually look in depth, it's been a pretty terrible year from start <laughs> to finish. I mean, it, when we uh, look, look back, so we kicked off the year at uh, with a four one loss against Arsenal and then after that was our dreadful 2-1 home defeat in the FA Cup third round mm. at Oldham and then after that we had that infamous Burnley defeat where they and remain to this day the only team ever to win a Premier League fixture without having a single shot on target amazing amazing so I mean when you looked at the start of 2019 and then it just kind of went from bad to worse and I was, I was looking through the results and when I look at my highlight of the year it's there's very slim pickings to be honest. I mean, when you look at results wise, you can obviously talk about Mitrovic um, signing on, Kearney signing on, 
When you look at the highlight of the year in terms of results, what, 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 what do you go for? Well, I mean, for just not the result, but the experience as well, was the Bournemouth away on Easter weekend. Was that was just, class. It Revel, was just, Revel's yeah, premium. Was it was brilliant. As, as a former resident of, of uh, Bournemouth, being a university student down there, it was the one I always look for. Because um, on the two previous or the one previous occasion we've played them in the league was on Boxing Day, which is not not really ideal. Yeah, it was Boxing Day on Rainer Day yeah, as well. It was, um, but yeah. So looking forward to this one this year, and it was just when it came up as Easter weekend, it was absolutely ridiculously good weather, and just the whole fact that everyone was in such a relaxed like celebratory mood the whole weekend everyone was dressed up it was absolutely fantastic the atmosphere was incredible uh got the result amazingly and it was just it was absolutely fantastic and as as um full of memories go there have been some really special ones but for some reason a meaningless fixture at the end of the season where in a season we got relegated is, sta- is standing out for me as like in the top five or ten really that's a that's a beautiful um, beautiful summary there it was our relegation party wasn't it yeah, yeah. i think i, I enjoyed it so much because i literally been partying in Asia for two weeks mm. I come back I had two days to recover and back on, back in a week a long Easter weekend in Bournemouth um, like if I'm looking just away again in general it shows you how bad a lot of the away days have been in 2019 that like not generic away days but just like ones you'd see as standard away days before such as Burnley and Leicester mm. come up, like move into this top five of the year because the rest of them were so bad there was a lot of London three o'clocks which I never too interesting because you know it's not really a way to even get on an Oyster card and <laughs> and like so yeah Burnley Leicester just because they were just nice you know, apart from the game yeah. like good days out of your mates and that but yeah if, you look, if you're moving in, into the championship season and you're looking at great away days I'm, I'm looking at Swansea because you know when, when we were tuning up at half time everyone was like one how because you know we haven't been playing we haven't been playing well at half at all you know half, half the Fulham fans would have had to stay out and party in Swansea but not anyway especially after a win mm. I think the entirety of the main strip in Swansea singing don't you know pump it up the whites are going up was was was, 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 a, was, a, was a decent highlight but yeah no it's, Bournemouth was like everyone was just such in a good mood because there's always whenever it comes to winning, there's always Fulham fans always going to argue about some little minuscule thing because someone disagrees with someone but then Bournemouth everyone was just happy, everyone was get, happy. getting along weather was absolutely premium and yeah that, that was it, it shows how bad the year has been that as you said a meaningless game like that is one of the highlights but it has been I mean I could I could even put like look at that Portugal in pre-season was probably a highlight because it was enjoyable Yeah, and it's not, I'm not I don't enjoy pre-season most years but you know in the Algarve a load of fun with you know a more, a more Fulham fan came to that pre-season than usually do Fulham pre-season there was probably a good you know 100 or 200 Fulham fans mm. there and everyone's just having a good time in the Algarve for a few days but it's just it's just it's just little things like that where yes the football's not been great but it's just those days out those little trips that make the year yeah well you know just to sort of really emphasise it that you know there have been some pretty poor performances but you know to be honest i've had a i've had a brilliant time you know supporting fulham basically having an excuse to spend time with my friends and family and having random weekends away in random places that That's you true. would never you would never really really go to and having just ridiculous stories from yeah it. another another one it's again another, like it's often the ones where you actually stay over which actually seems to be more mm. like Huddersfield away on that friday night you know that 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 was chaos, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was great. Even like the Cardiff one, one just like yeah, again, it's not chaos in terms of Dom's levels. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just I feel like it's yeah, it's just been not as soon as we come down to the championship, Bar Bournemouth. Like there's there's been a lot more enjoyable days out. Yes, the mm. results, the likes of Barnsley, haven't been great, but the days out have been a lot more enjoyable this season because you know we're not, 
well, I know we know we're more likely to get to win than not. Mm. But yeah, it's just it's been it, the, the highlights of the year. Odd, like the likes of Bournemouth, the likes of pre-season in the Algarve, the likes of Swansea away. It's just if you said to someone, "Yeah, we always your highlight of the year." Oh, yeah, we just want to spend a Friday night in Swansea in November. Oh, it's quality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Actually, you know, um, there was one actually towards the end of last year, which was um, sorry to talk about 2018, but. Um, the Liverpool away, which to be honest was a terrible, terrible kickoff time. Remembrance Sunday at twelve at midday was obviously a banging atmosphere then. But I had a weekend away with my fret, you know, with my mates, and it was we had just had a we had a brilliant time the whole weekend really. And you can't really can't really complain, you know. You've got an excuse for a weekend in Liverpool for absolutely no reason apart from the fact you just want to spend some time with your mates and have a bit of fun. Exactly. I feel like it's one of the things, the beautiful things about football that um, people who don't follow a football team will just never understand mm. and um, yeah long may it continue and uh, let's, let's hope for all the best in 2020 right just just one more um, just from a personal point of view that um, uh, that uh, my one of my closest friends Jeff Bruce has just uh, just got engaged and I just you know that to be honest as a personal highlight of of my year and um, considering just highlighting that football brings all sorts together and um his now fiance is also a Fulham fan, uh, Charlie, and um, I'm very happy for them. And it's for me, it's a very personal highlight. And oh. oh, that's beautiful! And uh, and many congratulations from Fulhamish to Jeff and Charlie as well. Right before we uh, wrap things up, let's preview Reading quickly and. Uh, to be honest, I think that this fixture's come at a little bit of a bad time. You know, Reading have hit a bit of a purple patch. They had a fantastic 2-0 victory away at Preston, uh, 1-0 victory at home to QPR, and they beat Reading 3-0, uh, sorry, Derby 3-0. How do you think Scott's going to set up against this um, this side that's hit a bit of a purple patch, Dom? Well, we've seen, we've seen the way they play, with obviously, in a 4-3-3 formation, to get, and with Lucas Zhao in the middle, they're always going to be... A tough, a tough team to play against. Mm. You know, you, 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 you always know what you're going to get with someone, someone like him up front. You know, he troubled us when he's played for his previous clubs before, like Blackburn. I remember, I think that was. I want to say that's when Syriac scored, or he should have scored in that game, and then yeah. they went up the other end and equalised in the last minute. So we, you know, they have hit a bit of form, but we know when we played them last time, we absolutely played them off the park. Mm. And if you play like that again, yes, I understand they had there are ten men for majority of the game, but you know. We shouldn't be going into a game like Reading at home and being worried. I know it's a bit arrogant, but you sh- if your if your aims are to try and catch Leeds and West Brom in the top two, who take on each other, I don't know if it's if it's next game or the game after. But you know, these are the games where you got to be like, yeah, we're going to win this game. You can't be like, you can't, you shouldn't be worried about these games. These are the sort of your bread and butter home games against you know mid-table fodder that you should be looking to try and win. Yeah, I, I I do agree. You know, um, they have. I, I swear to God, every single time we we preview a game, they're like, "Well, it's a bad time to play them." They've hit a bit of form. You know, it's every single game. But you know, this is as as Slavisa said in the past, and as Parker said, we well, look, we just need to concentrate on our playing our own game. We know we've mm. got the quality to beat these teams, but still, you know, mindful of what they can bring. And Lucas Zhao, as you quite like, rightly said, has has always been a thorn in our side. He has. He, he's a quality footballer. Um, for some reason, he just hasn't hit the heights that his his potential should have should have been. But um, it really is dependent upon what you know the the outcomes of all those injuries that those players came off with because it really disrupts our 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 kind of flow if that's especially if you know care you forget Kearney limped off injured yesterday and he's going to be a massive loss as we you know he was injured well he was sick for the game against um what was one against before Brentford uh Bristol City and we just had had no no sort of quality in the middle of the park really um 
So I think it really is dependent. If those three are still available, I think we go on and win the game. If those three aren't available, then I do think, you know, I'd probably take a draw at this stage. Right, OK. I mean, they're, they're popping up with goals. You've got John Swift, who scored um, a number of goals. In his he last scored game. an just... absolute banger the other day, John Swift. Well, um, he's got against Preston? Yeah. yeah. Was oh, no, Preston? no, against Preston. QPR, QPR yeah. Yeah, the, the winner. Yeah, the, the volley from like what just seemed like a ridiculous... It was absurd, wasn't it? Uh, did you see the Middlesbrough one yesterday as yeah, well? Yeah, Vashi Fletcher, absolutely ridiculous oh. to make it 2-0 against West Brom. But I think, you know, if you're looking at the game when they obviously beat Preston, you look, you look. I mean, if you're just looking at the stats and you're looking at Tyler Blackett playing at, at fullback, you got, you got the assist for both goals, both Swift and Lucas Zhao. So he's clearly going to be an outlet for them that, down that right-hand side. So I think that, yeah, this game is a game which we should be you should be confident going into a team like Reading at yeah. home. Like, and, and as, far, as far as I remember, you know, whenever we play Reading at home, we've got a fairly good record against them. So you know, it's it's a, it's a it's a game where yeah, we should just be looking for a comfortable victory here and just continue on the run of form. Yes, we've got the FA Cup game to sort of split it uh, then, but then we go away to Hull. We obviously battered us three 0 at home. So you know, and and obviously Hull Hull will be a tough game because they always up their game against the bigger sides. We've seen that recently. So yeah, for me, I think. This game, we should be fairly confident going to this game, and we can't be really looking for anything less than a win. Would you start Knockart again? No, no, no. I'd I'd have Reed, Caviero, Mitrovic as the front three. I Knockart was good, but it's one game, and we we know Knockart could just get into a full sense of security and going back to being a passion mm. merchant, as Guy Barlow would say. <laughs> so no, no, I I think he did good to come in, but it, for me that wasn't that he played well against Luton and got deserved to be called into no. the side. Caviero just hasn't really had a rest and he, yeah. he was on the bench for that reason and I suppose it's reminiscent of the Slav days because he used to rotate the wingers especially the right winger every every game or so where he's, you know we'd always see whether it's like Piazon or Ojo or uh, Aite the only one that in the first year the only one that really started on the wing every single game was Aluko um, and then apart from that we used to rotate like every game hmm. so you know remember Slav Bingo so maybe this is a Parker tactic rotating I mean, us we have had a consistent right winger since Simon Davis probably no, <laughs> yeah. it's true. I don't always think it's a, it's, a, it's a negative thing because you get players that get rested you increase the competition and you uh, the opposition don't know what's coming so mm. I mean it, maybe it is a, a Parker masterstroke who knows I think it'll be an interesting game I think Reading I mean, you look at their, uh, the stats against Preston, they had 27% possession and went on to win the game 2-0. And if you've seen the highlights, it, it was a sort of, in essence, a smash-and-grab victory. So when you compare that to the style of play of Stoke, it'll be interesting to see how we line up. But I, th- I totally echo your point, Dom. I think we can't be going into this game sort of nervous. I think Reading have always been a bit of a weird side. And I think from the uh, the, the playoff defeat, there's, there's been an element of sort of tetchiness and rivalry there. So, I mean, I always love it when we do Reading over, purely because <laughs> I'm still salty about that playoff victory <laughs> where we were absolutely robbed. But yeah, no, there's, uh, there's hope for another three points. And yeah, I mean, I personally hope that we can go into the year thinking that it's a three-horse racer championship. Mm. So, I, well, we've seen how capable... Fulham are um, yes we've ground out results but so do the other teams exactly you know we'd, it's not like Leeds are like battering teams 5-0 or West Brom are battering teams like 6-0 every week if, if yesterday's anything to go by that 5-4 versus Birmingham was was you know it's not exactly they dominated in Birmingham are but a bang average side as well yeah, so. if, if West, Brom, West Brom are playing Leeds in, in the next round at the Hawthorns right mm. and that's a draw which is the ideal result for yeah. us that makes if we then be running that set, we're now 7 points behind them let's, let's go back to 16-17 here where Leeds were 10 points or so ahead of us 
when we drew with them in March and we ended up finishing three or four points ahead of them. Mm. I understand this, these are two very different Leeds sides and this Leeds side has got them a lot more quality, but Leeds have always got always burned out. Remember, they were top going into Christmas yeah. last year yeah. and they ended up not getting promoted. I think the first team to ever do it in the Championship pretty <laughs> much. So if West Brom and Leeds draw and then we win it's 100% back on even 9 points now I think it's not over it's you know it's not it's only just getting to January here you know we've still got half the season to play and you know as 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 you've always said George we always get into our stride from January onwards mm, absolutely well let's pray for that long run uh, that long Fulham tradition to continue uh, I think we'll wrap it up there boys thank you very much we'll see you both on New Year's Day indeed yep definitely fantastic well uh, thank you very much I've been George Cooper I've been joined by the one and only Don Betts it's alright and the one and only Farrell Monk thank you very much Happy New Year to all Fulham fans. And yeah, we'll see you in the new year. Thanks for your continued support in 2019. You whites. <laughs> Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hey, it's Maria Hinojosa here. And Julio Ricardo Varela. We are the co-hosts of the Roundtable podcast, In the Thick, where we talk about politics, race, and culture from a people of color perspective. That's right. Every Tuesday and Friday, we bring you the latest political news, covering the stories and issues that matter to communities of color with amazing POC journalists, activists, and academics from all over the country. So you're not going to want to miss our coverage because we have a lot of fun. We do. Which means that on election night, November 3rd, we are going to be hosting a live virtual show to give you the much-needed POC perspective on this crucial night in our country. Follow us on social media at In The Thick Show to make sure you don't miss the updates and this live analysis. Subscribe to In The Thick wherever you get your podcasts. A-Cash, 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 A-Cash recommends. recommends.